So growing up in the 80s and 90s in my corporate career, we never, ever talked about emotional well-being or trauma. We showed up, I showed up at work, always muscling through whatever challenges there were at work or even at home. We just did what we had to do. It was our dues that we had to pay. And then about five years ago, It was a tough time for me. My husband had just come out of a major medical issue. I was still keeping him company in the hospital. And then my review was due and my boss called me. I shared with him what was going on, a challenging time. He then asked permission if I still wanted to proceed with the review process. And I did. And it was a tongue lashing. It was not my best year, but I also didn't expect it. We should have been having these conversations all along, knowing if there were areas I was off track. It was traumatizing. And while I did come back swinging at work, I put in extra hours to elevate my performance and at least meet expectation, even while working with a family member that wasn't doing well. It was traumatic. It was emotionally trying. But there was no support. No support at all from the workplace, not even how are you feeling, how are you doing? And I share this story with you only because it leads into the conversation I had with Stephanie Kunkel. It may be the right time and place for which we need to educate our leaders when somebody is going through a challenging time, not coddle them, but seek to understand, be empathetic, and perhaps provide an environment where they can manage through the issues, but also ultimately thrive. And isn't that better for the organization? Let's listen to this amazing interview with Stephanie Kunkel. There's this element of people that I really feel like need to be helped because we're on that precipice, right? So when you have that deep depression, it's like a black hole, you get into it and then you don't see a way out. And every time you try to get yourself out, it takes so much effort and energy that it just doesn't feel like it's going to pay off. Those people needed help and needed help immediately. But on the other side of that, I see a need for cultural change, for cultural shift to accept that even though it's 20 to 25% of people... Everybody feels that way at some point in time. And we have to give them the space to feel their feelings, to feel their emotions so that they can heal and then get back to work. And the more that we allow them to do that and give them that grace, the more loyal they become, the more invested they become. They understand the power of the relationship that you have with them. If you have a company that allows your people the grace to process trauma and emotions, they're not going anywhere. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us on another amazing episode of this podcast where I get to speak to amazing leaders and share their insights with you and hopefully inspire you. And I ask if you love this episode, please subscribe, download, rate, review, 
so we can continue to bring you great programming. The downloads have been amazing. I am grateful. And just know, I am here to help the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And now, it is my honor to share the mic with my amazing guest, Stephanie Kunkel. Stephanie is an author and leadership development expert. And by day, she is a master collaborator for a Madison-based company leading multiple teams to come together through a major corporate restructuring. And Stephanie has previously consulted for Fortune 500 companies and carries over 14 years of sales and marketing experience. And after developing a leadership development program across multiple teams, she's launched her coaching and mentoring career on top of her book and speaking and training resources. It is my pleasure to welcome her onto the show. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here. So I am excited for this interview. You know, this is the beauty of the network. For my listeners, you may know that I've been on this journey of just reaching out to my people, whether they're in operations, quality, manufacturing, asking them questions about their career journey. And I bring them forward in a video blog post. But then I met Stephanie and I said, oh my, I cannot translate her story. I need to bring her forward. Again, she has realized what is her purpose. And she is also has the courage to launch a business, to write a book. And I want you to hear her story so we can evolve your courage and you do the things you're meant to do. So Stephanie, please introduce yourself a bit about yourself personally, your journey and the impactful work you will be doing even more of. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Deb. Again, I appreciate you having me on. I have a very big history in emotional intelligence that didn't come lightly. And so I have kind of found my purpose through that journey myself. About 10 years ago, I found myself in a state of deep depression and decided that I needed to get some help to rewire my brain and fix some of the things that were going on. I have two children and it was important for me to kind of break some of those cycles that we typically see from our childhood on and those some of those behaviors that we learn. But that was affecting my career. It was affecting my mindset and kind of where I went with that. And as I started to break some of those cycles and get at some of those big life lessons, I realized that it translated much more than just my life, but also into leadership. And so at the time I was working with a company that I was able to be fortunate enough to work with Fortune 500 companies, working through their sales and marketing strategies at the time. And through that, I found that the lessons that I was learning was impacting my the people that I was working with on the client side, as we call it, but also my team. And I started to realize, you know, 20 to 25% of adults in the US will experience or have experienced a major depressive episode. And as we go through life and navigate the workforce, that happens. And I, I just came to this realization, this, this stark realization after a friend of mine asked me to sit in on a meeting with someone he knew that had anxiety and depression and said, I want you there because I don't know if I'm going to say something wrong and I don't want to trigger her. How, you know, Can you just be there for me? So I was there and he handled it beautifully. He's a very kind and compassionate individual. But I realized through that interaction that people that don't experience depression have no idea what that looks like or how it might present. And so the purpose of writing the book was to give that extra perspective. And as I started to do that and work through some of that, I realized 
this is huge. If we spend 40 hours a week or more at work, our leaders have a huge opportunity to impact the mental health of the entire world. And so that kind of became my purpose, right? Wow. Can I jump in? (laughs) So this is like really a different angle because we are at work to, you know, produce a commodity or service. We are in commerce to get some kind of result. But you also take the perspective of in the workplace where we spend so much time, what better place, a kind of a pseudo community for which if we can evolve how we interact with each other, it has an amplifying effect. Do I have it right? Yeah, absolutely. And and when you think about it, you spend more time at work with your coworkers than you do your own family. And so the impact that your coworkers, your team members, your leadership teams have on your emotional health, both inside and outside of the workforce, is it's it's not comparable to really anything else that goes on in your life, if I'm being completely honest. And when I think about that, I think about, you know, all the studies show that happier people are more effective in the workplace. Every study that's done shows that if you have a good set of emotional intelligence skills, you're going to go far. And so when I think about that, and I think about, you know, we can talk about just the social responsibility of being a good leader from a mental health aspect all day long. But when we talk about the bottom line, that's where it really gets impactful. You know, if you have emotionally intelligent and and well-trained and compassionate leaders who are able to give their employees that same emotional intelligence, compassion, and you drive those behaviors, you see monumental profits. Now, let me just dig in, you know, your your statistic about 20% of the people are dealing with managing through some mental health issues. You know, I could almost envision that's the squeaky wheel. These are the people that are really having deep things that we need to support them on. But what say you about the 80% that might not be, I don't know, scientifically under some mental health issue, but they are experiencing conflict, you know, pull for their time, non-ideal working conditions. What say you about your your work and the 80%? I, I'm just curious. Yeah. How does this all apply? No, you're, you're right on because ultimately the difference between someone who's diagnosed with major depressive episode and someone who is what we might consider neuro- neurotypical, if you will, is one, a chemical imbalance. So typically there's some sort of chemical imbalance that's biological. The other piece is the coping skills that we have. So I was never really giving good coping skills when I was younger. So, you know, my mom didn't have them. She was never taught them. We weren't taught those in school. I mean, how many of us have had an emotional interaction, good communication classes in school that talk about things like emotional mental health? It just doesn't happen. So The only way for you to find those is to go out on your journey. And I was fortunate, as many people are not, to have the resources to get that emotional support. It is often not as easy to find. And so through that journey, I said, oh my gosh, like these are big revelations. There are things that I wrote in my book that I was, I still get impacted today by. And I think at the end of the day, I thought, well, if I'm going through this, everybody else must be going through this too. Because I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one who felt that way after the initial onset. At at first, I thought it was normal to think that way, but I could tell I was not doing as well as other people. 
Then when I got into therapy, I was like, oh, I must be alone. I must be the only one who thinks this way. The realistic piece is, is that we all have a negative self-talk. It's there. And it, and it comes from very early on, you know, the first F you get on a paper in school or the first time someone says, oh, well, you're stupid or you're ugly, right? Like there's always that negative piece and our brain, it's hardwired with that exclusive piece, that exile piece for us to stay connected with people. So we don't do things that would normally cause us to be looked down upon. And so if we feel those things, we get self-conscious and then we get the negative self-talk and then it keeps going. You know, one of the things, there's so many insights in here I want to bring forward for my listeners is that, you know, you've mentioned something about being the only one, or I'm the only one that thinks this way, whether it was a negative mindset or maybe a creative idea. I'm the only one that's thinking about this and you keep it to yourself. I want to really, really, really encourage our listeners. If you have a unique thought, and I've said this before, write it down on a piece of paper, put it up on a post-it. Don't do anything with it, but think about it because you know what, someday what you are thinking, you might realize other people are thinking the same thing. And then we need you as a leader to speak and be what others want you to be because maybe there's greater purpose in helping others through whatever the challenges or opportunities are. But Stephanie, I want to turn to you a little bit more about your work in the league because there's tremendous courage in what you're doing. You continue to dedicate yourself to the current work that you have at hand, but you had the feeling, the need, the want, the passion to also be building a business for the future. What gave you that impetus or courage to do that? Because I want people to be thinking about always moving one step further in a direction that maybe they're calling. So I think for me, it was, it was a very powerful recognition that there was a need, that there was a large portion of our population. You know, 25% is not a small portion of our population. It may be a minority, but it is not a small portion of our population. And, you know, that figure gets very different as we diversify, right? So in different cultures and in different races, that, that figure is much higher. And so for me, it was a situation where I was, I, I would sit on that idea and I would say, not right now, not right now, not right now. But every part of my being would go, it's time you are needed. And I would watch the things that were going on in the world. And I would say, oh, like if they only had this information, maybe things would be different, but not right now. And it really took a couple of my friends experiencing a close relative of them committing suicide to where I was like, I can't wait any longer. Like my friends are losing people and I can't, I can't do this. And so the, it was more of a situation where it, it has kind of come through where there's this element of people that I really feel like need to be helped because we're on that, we're on that precipice, right? So when you have that deep depression, it's like a black hole, you get into it and then you don't see a way out. And every time you try to get yourself out, it takes so much effort and energy that it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's going to pay off. And those people needed help and needed help immediately. But on the other side of that, I see a need for cultural change, for cultural shift to accept that just like you said, even though it's 20 to 25% of people, everybody feels that way at some point in their end time. And we have to give them the space to feel their feelings, to feel their emotions so that they can heal and then get back to work. And the more that we allow them to do that, 
and give them that grace, the more loyal they become, the more invested they become, they understand the power of the relationship that you have with them. And, you know, if you have a company that allows your people the grace to process trauma and emotions, they're not going anywhere. So again, our listeners just get a chance to listen to me digging in and getting to know you. I've already got three people I want to potentially introduce you to that that your works are very complimentary. So we will be talking after this interview as well. But one of the things I want you to talk a little bit more, again, you mentioned your book, Perspectives Through Broken Glass. I want you to just tell us a little bit more about the book and what are some of the best tips or things that people can think about and maybe even apply to their situation, because I want to come them to come away with amazing value and also check out your book. Yeah, so this was a book that I wrote. I literally took some nuggets, if you will, of just the big impactful things, my mantras, if you will, that were getting me through day to day through my healing process, and then also through coaching and, and building other people in my organization up you know, some some of those little tidbits seem very reasonable and rational. But I think one of the things that people often forget when they're looking at those mantras is how they apply. So what I do in the book is I, I tell the story of how did I get to that? How have I used it to impact my own life? And then as a leader, why I apply that to my team. And so I think for me, the the story of how I got there is really important because I think there's some real life that goes into that. It's not just a matter of me looking it up and going, oh yeah, that makes sense. But you know, in it, I tell a story of, I was late for a meeting with my, my therapist at the time and I was like five, 10 minutes late. So not extreme, nothing that anybody would probably even bat an eye out. But for me, there was a lot of guilt and shame that came with that. And I told her, I said, man, I said, it feels like the world is out to get me. I said, I got in my car and, you know, I took me a while to get in my car because everything happened. My alarm went off late, so on and so forth. There was all of these things that led up to this. And then I walked into her office and I said, I'm so sorry, I'm late. And I said, you know, I hit every red light. It's like the world is out to get me. And she goes, do you really think you're that special? And I went, <laughs> what? How dare? I walked out of her office. I'm not kidding. I walked, I walked out of her office. We've been in this session for maybe 10 minutes. I walked out. And in the five minute drive home, I went, oh my gosh, she's right. She's right. I was a stay at home mom. I was miserable in my depression. I wasn't even talking to anybody. What was I doing that was so substantial that the universe was like, can't get to your appointment on time? Nothing. I wasn't doing anything. And so when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to dig into that more. And so I tell the story about that and how that impacts. But I think it's important for leaders to understand that they have to make people feel that special, but also help them to understand that they're not that special, that no <laughs> one is out sabotaging them. It's all self-sabotage. It's all things that we do that prevent us from making those growth moments, right? Oh, you know, you're reading my mind. I wrote an article called My Red Light Day because every single red light and it was like, okay, and we talked before we got on the show. It is a signal from the universe. I ain't getting to my appointment on time. So I might as well go with it to slow down. And I get there when I get there. There's so many people in the world that just kind of go with the flow. They show up a little bit late. They don't say sorry. They're just, okay, I'm here now and show up and be their best. I am almost always late now. And I I don't apologize for it very much anymore because it's like, I, and I tell people, I set expectations early. I'm like, I'm going to try to be there a half an hour early, but I will probably be there five to 10 minutes early if that. So just know 
<laughs> like that's the expectation you can get, you know, and I, and I do that because, so I also have been diagnosed with ADHD and time and, and part of ADHD is executive dysfunction and time blindness. I can be doing my hair and not even realize that 20 minutes has gone by and I don't have that much hair. So it's, <laughs> so at the but end of the you're day, in flow. you're in flow. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I get into that flow and I forget, or I, you know, the other piece is, is I get anxious about certain things. So I'll be sitting there and I'm like, Oh, I can't go until the dishes are done, but I've got five minutes to get out there. I can get the d- dishes done in five minutes and 20 minutes later, I'm getting out the door. So it's just kind of one of those things where when you're, when you have people like that in your organization, they have special powers. You know, we were the, in the ADHD community, they're, they're talking about how ADHD is a superpower. And it really is because along with the executive dysfunction and along with, you know, the time blindness and things like that, you have extremely creative individuals that will hyper-focus on something until it's done and the problem is solved. And so if we just, if we make policies that make it impossible for those people to function in a normal environment and, and allow their creative flows to come out, it's not beneficial for our companies. And so for me, this cultural shift is so important. And the book is part of that. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, just trying to, to think about like what else that I need to communicate about it. You know, for me, it's written for people who have depression as that intro guide. If you can't go seek help because of finances or, you know, access or whatever, you know, right now it's a three to six month wait to get in to see a therapist in some situations. This is a great starting place. It's just, it's going to make you feel like you're not alone. It's going to give you some quick mantras that you can start to use to start to rewire your brain. And if you're in leadership, it gives you a whole different perspective. It allows you to see what your people, that 20 to 25% of people might be going through that you need to adjust for. So love the story. We could go on and on a lot. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, resonated with me is that, you know, you just took your process, your method, your stories, and it will resonate for the right person, maybe not for everybody. But at least you took the time to write it down. And I really love the fact that you make it very relatable. You talk to the leader and, you know, and where they're at now. It's kind of a do-it-yourself thing. My book, The CEO's Compass, also comes from a place of my personal experiences. Oh, (laughs) she's got my book in front of me. And it's one of those things that we first dig into who you are as a leader. Do you want to lead? How do you want to maybe lead differently? Let's just work on ourselves and make sure we feel healthy and ready to move forward. And then think about our circumstances, take your insight. I think everybody out there has a book in them, even if it's a 10-page book, write your thoughts down. You're not alone. Somebody can benefit from your words. Now, yeah, so I want to just keep going here a little bit. Just I would love to know a little bit more about either at work or maybe in some of the work that you're doing in building your business where your work has had a direct impact. Where was the, the individual or team? And where did they arrive at based on some of the work that you use to help improve their leadership or their capability? Yeah. So I think the the original impact was with me where I started realizing that there were life lessons that my leadership teams at the point at that point in time were giving me that I could apply in other places. And when I started recognizing that and the impact that it was having, and I started sharing those things with other people, I started developing a, a closer relationship with them. And At some point in my last organization, I had one of our directors ask me a a flat out question in an interview that I was doing for another role. And and he said, you know, Stephanie, your team members, I genuinely feel 
that your team members, even though they're in sales, if there was a battle going on outside right now, that they would pick up a sword and follow you into battle. No questions asked. He said, how do you, how do you generate that loyalty? Cause I need to know. And I, I had, it was a blindsiding question. I had no idea what he was talking about. I had never thought about it that way. And I had to sit with that for a little while and think about like, do they really feel that way? Does my team really feel that way? And I started to realize that they do. They they really did. They felt that way. They still follow me. I have one of my employees from my previous company who moved into the new company with me because they trust me and they know that I have their best interests at heart. And I think that that's what it came down to was me being so focused on helping them to navigate these spaces that at the end of the day, they understood that I was focused on them, that they were my priority, that everything else I understood, everything else would fall into place. And it it always does. It always does. It always falls into place and they are better people for it and can navigate those problems going forward. You know, one of the things you bring up that I want to highlight for our listeners is the fact that, you know, sometimes we have these superpowers. We just have ways of working for which when we get a compliment, we almost don't hear it because it's just what you do. It comes so easy. We need to just slow down a little bit, you know, put our foot on the pedal. It's a red light. Listen to the good stuff that you hear about yourself, because if they're saying good things, one person saying a good thing about you, maybe there are many, and maybe you are a leader worth following. So you do a lot on social media. So I really enjoy that. And one of your recent posts that you had highlighting the fact that your book has just come out is that you talked about some of your quotes. And I think it's okay to have our own original thoughts and share those quotes with the world because they are inspiring. And one of the things you said was at some point, you just have to be honest with yourself and with those around you and ask yourself in those dark moments, am I choosing to suffer through this? Is there something I can do to change what is, you know, change what is going on right now? And if so, am I actively making that choice? So what was behind that quote and what do you hope to inspire others to do? Oh my gosh. So I kind of alluded to that as we were, as we started. My uh, corporation that I work for is my day job is they have some layoffs that are happening right now. And I, I recognize that, you know, we as leaders have to lead by example for that, you know, and I, I was one of the ones who were, it was impacted, which is fine because it gives me time to start my business that, you know, and really launch into that and help more people. But I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm one of those fortunate people that has that opportunity. And I know that, you know, the team members that I work with on a day-to-day basis that were impacted are not necessarily feeling as hopeful and as inspired as I am in this situation. And, you know, you can choose to take those situations and say, man, like this is horrible and it's going to impact me and I'm going to just let this get to me. It's not always easy in situations where you have a chemical imbalance, in situations where you have other outlying factors. It's not easy to say, Am I choosing to feel this way? But in the end, you know, we do have a choice. And that comes from knowing that things that will make us feel better exercising, good meals, water. Those are like the foundational pieces of things that help our mental health. Checking off lists of things, you know, taking those tasks and am am I going to choose to lay in bed and suffer through this change 
Or am I going to take a different approach and say, no, I'm not going to suffer through this. I'm going to change my mindset and I'm going to do something else. You know, and and like I said, chemical imbalances aside, there are things that you can do for those as well. So you have to make those active decisions. And when you are in that black hole of depression, and then you have a triggering moment like a layoff or a death or something along those lines, it gets harder and harder to pull yourself out. But every little step that you make, getting out of bed in the morning, taking a shower, taking a drink of water, every step that you take is an anchor that you place to climb yourself out. And you have to be consciously doing that. And as a leader, it's important that we set the examples in those situations, that we show people that this isn't easy, but you can do it. This has been an amazing conversation. I am just inspired by meeting people like you that have the courage to put their voice out there, their thoughts out there, and also continue to move their pursuits forward. Now, I want people to get to know more about you. You have a number of resources and ways that you want to engage and help people. So can you just tell us a few of those so that our listeners, if what Stephanie is sharing with you really resonates, how can they connect, engage, and and get more Stephanie? Yeah. So I I have a website, stephaniekunkel.com. So just look for my name and you'll find it. Otherwise I'm on LinkedIn. And either one of those places you can connect with me. I do offer a free perspective shifting session. So if you need additional assistance, if you've got a problem that you're trying to work through, if you have someone on your team that is struggling and you just need some advice, feel free to book that that session with me. I'm happy to sit down with you and talk through that. Otherwise, I am launching some of my foundations to leadership coursework very soon on my website that will allow you to have access to that. And then, of course, I do speaking engagements and trainings with team members. So if you're in HR and you're listening to this and you have a a team of leaders that you're like, oh, we really need to kind of focus on mental health for a little bit, let me know. I'll come in. I'll do a a talk and, and work with your team to find some training resources that will work with them. No, I absolutely, I think people definitely need to leverage external inspiration, bring them to your teams. You might just be the spark that lights people up and moves people forward. So Stephanie, I am sincerely grateful for having met you intentionally, but also by accident, and then realizing such courage and such purposeful work. I do hope this has been inspiring for people listening. Stephanie, I wish you continued success and thank you for being an amazing guest. Likewise, Deb. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.